This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Welcome, everyone. In this episode, we are discussing functional imagery training and how it can be applied in different contexts to achieve results. And we have a brilliant guest for this episode, Dr. Jonathan Rhodes, who is chartered psychologist and a published researcher and lecturer specializing in cognitive psychology. He has been working with Premiership Football and Rugby, Red Bull, cliff divers, and has developed the British Army Commando Resilience Training Program. And Jonathan has co-authored a new book called The Choice Point. Welcome, Jonathan. Thank you, Ollie. Thanks for having me back. It's my second time on, so I feel privileged. Yes, nice to, nice to have you. So if we start from the backstory of the book, how did you end up writing, writing the book? I suppose I suppose the backstory is uh, about 15 years worth of research before the book. Um, so my background primarily is in sports and sports psychology mostly, uh, more performance-based. Um, and I spent yeah, years um, working in that kind of remit of research, performance-based research um, across across from you know d- different sports, um, different locations around the world. And I've been really fortunate to then do research, which has kind of led me to this journey of um, being in the in the group that's developed functional imagery training, which is an approach which looks at training multi-sensory uh, imagery to individuals. Um, so from CEOs and Olympians through to those who want to lose weight and who've got very challenging goals. And then, uh, and yeah, a lot, a lot of researchers, I suppose, is I suppose the, uh, the the backstory. And I suppose a lot of researchers out there, you know, deep in research, deep in it, you know, lecturing as well, um, get to the point where they think, you know, I'm writing papers um, I'm producing, you know, uh, peer-reviewed content, but what's next? And really, the what's next is what led me to to meet with Joanna Grover, who's my uh, co-author. Um, and we sat down together and said, "Well, should we get these ideas out to a, a major popular audience?" And so that's been our um, our journey, I suppose, for the last two years or so. It took us about eighteen months to write the book, um, but really about the research, how the research is informed. Um, you know, how people use imagery and also how people use imagery in a way that helps them to achieve challenging goals. And again, it merges in with self-talk, it merges in with lots of other different psychological tools as well. So it's not just imagery as such, but it's the whole kind of holistic program around how we support individuals to achieve their goals. And how did you end up doing the book with Joanna? How, how, how have you connected and, and why did you do it together? So uh, with Joe, she um, she had a, a rather serious equestrian accident um, a few years ago, and um, she she's been a CBT practitioner for for years um, and council worker as well. So she's been heavily involved in um, in behaviour change for a number of years. She's based out in in Miami, and she's been um, yeah, so she's been really doing a lot of work around uh, working with a, a real diverse population um, in the more applied field. So she's everyday working with individuals, complete uh, mixture of, it, of, of, uh, of, um, uh, of individuals as well. Um, and her aim really was to see what's next, what, what else is out there, which is interesting, but also 
um, with clients who are really struggling to achieve goals and where CPT um, is, is a solution, but not the solution. What else is out there that you can add value with? So her journey led her to, to UK, where we were doing, where, where the team were researching actively. Um, we have a team in the UK. We have a team in Australia as well, in Queensland, who do research around this area. Um, primarily, it was in cravings, uh, and it's exploded into other areas as well. So from cravings, it's gone into the need for sport. Um, there's been research uh, with Linda Solberg and others, Jackie Andrade, John May, who looked at um, craving and desires, and then David Kavanagh in, the, in Australia, who's looked again at cravings, more so around um, weight loss, but also around um, drugs as well, uh, and alcohol and any substance abuse. So that was kind of that that directive of um, research going on, and it really piqued her attention. We had a few uh, uh, research projects published, um, and it created a lot of media attention. So a lot of different outputs um, from you know from uh, dietary magazines to like Men's Health, all different uh, magazines that it was featured in, and it caught the eye of Joe, who then travelled over to the UK to learn more about imagery training. So again, we. Um, we were able to uh, li- link with her and, to, and, and, and um, we run courses at the university um, and as imagery coaching as well with our organisation, we run global courses to, to, to really upskill individuals working in healthcare primarily um, with, with patients, with clients um, and yeah, supporting them through behaviour change, usually quite tricky behaviour change. So that was the kind of the inception of the meeting, but also that was how uh, we we kind of we we initially met, and then from then it was really trying, how how do we take the research and all the ideas that we've got published, and then make it into a user friendly model. And so, from my point of view, I'm the researcher, and from Joe's point of view, um, if she was here on the call now, she'd be saying, "How do you use it? You know, how do we actually take this idea, take all this research, take all the empirical knowledge and and all the data, and how do we actually um, convey it, disseminate it to an audience who get it?" So again, that's that's really the inception of the book was, can we do that? Um, and so we set up a company uh, probably about two years ago um, to, 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 to try and develop a, a method, a more um, user-friendly method away from all the research, but still connected to the research in great depth and really give readers a very unique model to be able to experience the way that we train imagery through the, kind of the, the seven senses to really get people to work towards that very tricky, challenging goal. So, so we kind of created a formula together um, from the from the from the science side and the research side to then the application, and we refined a lot of the research to make it fit within, um, well, yeah, within a general audience. Yeah. So I, I think most of our listeners probably have some sort of idea of imagery training. They are not probably specialist in it. How does this change? What what would you like people to understand of of your method? How how does it differ? For example, the basic imagery training that you usually have in a sports psychology basics course, or or something like this, which is probably what our listeners mainly know. So so first and foremost, um, people generally get confused with imagery and visualization. So visualization is um, picturing something in your mind's eye. Um, Imagery is is uh, more holistic. It's involving all senses. So um, as you um, you know, the, the example that I'd like to use is you know if you, if you think about um, I'm, I'm going to take you to a to a naughty place for a moment, Ollie, and just say you know if you were to think of um, a pizza, right? If you were to think of a pizza, your mind goes, what does it look like? And you may then have a smell. You may then have a touch. Um, 
And of course, you will have a taste, I'm guessing, of the pizza and you will probably desire and crave that pizza and you'll have an emotional response. That is um, using sensors to then use that kind of holistic model of imagery training. So rather than just, just thinking about a goal, we get individuals to immerse themselves in that goal because immersing yourself in that goal is the is the real key changing point. That is the superpower of how we teach imagery. Now there is there are a few there are a few downsides, of course, as well. So we know that um, there was research by uh, in, by by four in two thousand and nine, which really looks at um, how uh, some individuals cannot visually imagine. So if I say think of the pizza, they may be able to taste it, but they can't see anything. So we know that there's roughly two percent of the population who can in no way um, visually imagine. But that doesn't mean that they haven't got the other senses, of course. So what we do is we work with them on other senses. We look at different strategies to then um, cue in that kind of activated imagery. And what we do quite often is we uh, we use imagery with cues. So again, when people are thinking about desires, um, the hope is, is that people can then retrieve some kind of metacognitive thought. So thinking about your thinking, why am I doing this? And thinking about your thinking, that metacognitive thought is that higher ability then connect to that stimulus, really connect to the stimulus, but also beyond that. Is, is, is this pizza really worth it? Um, how's it going to impact my health? Probably not, you know, immediately. It's going to make me feel great. Um, although I might feel sluggish. It might be that, um, you know, I've, I've hit a point where I've had too much. So again, we look at um, different points of, uh, of, of yeah, of, of challenging goals. Usually it's around health um, to then, you know, set ways and set strategies for people to use imagery in a formal way. So we can talk more about the formal way if you, if you want. I think that's kind of a, a good segue. Yeah, maybe maybe we move away from pizzas. I'm, I'm recovering from a stomach bug. That's that's not the best best visualization, although although it, it sounds good as a salty salty thing already. But, but maybe let's go a little bit more more practical for our listeners. So if, if we talk about physical activity and we think inactive people, Probably when they start this imagery, they are thinking displeasure. It it feels hard. Probably their calves are aching, and and many many other things. They are out of breath. How how do you do it? This displeasure. How how do you imagine the the goal that it would actually feel good when they have probably never felt it? Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. And and it's interesting actually, just to say on that point because. Um, some people, if you say, think about your goal, you know, your, your, your goal in one year, and they might say, to, to lose weight. And you say, can you, can you imagine yourself in a year once you've lost weight? And they'll say, no, it's not a, real, it's not, it's not a re- realistic thought. I can't imagine myself in a year. Okay. Um, can you imagine yourself in six months? Not really. It's easier, but I don't look any different. Okay. How do you feel? Well, I feel like I've really worked towards this goal. And I feel that, and I said, well, okay, well, what, what obstacles are in the way? Let's go there right now. What obstacles? Obstacles are, well, it's cold. You know, uh, this morning in the UK, it was zero degrees. Okay, I do not want to go for a run in zero degrees. Okay, what could I do that'll get me out of bed? Well, I could probably set my timer. I can put my clothes out. I can put my, my you know, my uh, my layers out as well. So I'm not just running in just a t-shirt. Um, I can fuel properly. Um, I can probably go for a run with someone else, right? So there are, there are things that you can then do to plan um for that for that run and, and when you're on the run uh, i mean this is another thing as well there's the planning part over long term and then of course when you're out on the run like what you're saying ollie you're, you're going to feel discomfort um and you know i've worked with quite a few ultra runners 
and uh, and it's funny because when I when I first started working with ultra runners, I said, "Oh, you you go out and you run for five hours, you know, twice a week. This is great, you know, for your, part of your training. Like you must love it. You must love going out and running for five. No, they go, no. It's I don't really like running for five hours. It's disgusting. It's hard work. I make sacrifices. Um, I get tired. I feel like I can do other things in my time. And the first couple of miles is usually a lot of what we would call mental mutiny, right? Why am I here? Why am I doing this? And then, of course, the aches kick in, which we all have. You know, oh, I've got a hip. My, my hip's starting to hurt. Okay, I'll slow down. And and it kind of comes and goes. Um, for, obviously, for some people, there may be an injury there. But, you know, for a lot of people, these kind of pains and aches come and go. So, again, we kind of get people. What we, what we try to do is we try to immerse people in that experience. We give them the knowledge that that's a reality. And we get them to experience that, um, you know, sat in a very controlled environment. And then we try to develop that uh, ability to immerse themselves in that multi-sensory scenario. So again, it's not an easy process because it takes a lot of time to, to, to obviously to, to try this all out. But also experience is really key here. Experience is key. So again, we'll imagine it, but then ultimately individuals have to go and try it out, have that internal chat with themselves. And we really tried to try to divert that thinking from being a monologue. So we, we often say to our, to our clients, we say, you know, it's not a monologue as in I am tired. I'm aching. It's a dialogue. Dialogue being, I am tired. I'm aching. Yeah, but okay, we need to make it to that target. Okay, right. Well, I know that I can make it to that target. Okay, what do I do then? Right, well, then you can slow down and, and, and make, maybe have a sip of water. Okay, so there's a dialogue going on. So although we're talking about imagery, this is really auditory imagery. So you're talking to yourself. Um, you know, if you, if you look at the research, this is about the phonological loop. And uh, we're talking a lot about this visual spatial area as well of imagery. Um, and we're using episodes, episodic um, you know, memory ultimately to then piece these things together. So a lot of the old school um, psychology theory we put into practice. And yeah, what we're doing really is we're, we're, we're getting people to immerse themselves in that chatter, immerse themselves in that multi-sensory experience and immerse themselves into that challenge to then try to manage that thinking when it becomes tricky. So you, you are actually imagining the, the pain, the aches, the displeasure. Do, do you try to imagine the, the kind of the goal that you would not feel them? How, how does it work and, and does, it, does it really help? Like, yeah. So, so as, a, as a bit of a test run, so, so there, are, there are two ways. The first way is, is a very controlled environment where you're doing a, a morning imagery practice. So we call this a lap. So morning imagery practice is called a lap. So we, we locate your cue. Your, your, your cue is often, you know, it could be having a shower in the morning. It could be as you swing your legs out of bed and you put your feet on the floor and you locate your cue. Okay, my feet on the floor. And then I, the A is activate. I activate my imagery. So what have I got coming up today? What challenges have I got? But also why? Why is this important to me? Is it important to others? So we find meaning, we find purpose. And we imagine in, in, as, in as much detail as possible with that as well. And we can work back to like, what can I control right now? So we're using different levels of imagery. We're using this kind of long-term goals, like this kind of medium-term, why is it important to me uh, around meaning? And then we're using process goals. What can I do right now to help myself? It's quite a slow process. It's kind of lap. So this is the, that's the first process. Again, you, you can use lap in a, in, a, in a very slow, controlled environment. The other environment is, is very quick. When, you know, if we're working with a soldier and he's out for a, you know, 30-mile run, there are going to be times where he's going to, think I can't do this I'm tired I'm fatigued so again really what we're doing here is we're um, we're giving individuals a, a way to find a cue whether it's a breathing technique to activate their imagery and then to manage thinking in a way that's structured around having a process goal yeah maybe 
did you use this method with the the commando resilience training that that might be interesting kind of extreme extreme case in a, in a certain way yeah definitely i mean you know in terms of um so my original uh, research was in uh, with, with with runners with ultra runners um and uh it's the same method again we use it with ceos as well like going into a boardroom meeting um locate my key my cues my breathing um i activate my imagery which is how will the meeting go what does it look like and then what can i do right now so it's the same process whoever we use it with and again thinking about um like, like a, a big one for us at the minute within weight loss is uh is the cue of a fridge you see your fridge you put your hand on the fridge door And then, uh, of course, I won't talk about food only, so don't worry. But you know, you 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 then have that thought. The cue activates imagery of: Do I want to do this? What do am I am I really hungry, uh, or am I craving something? Okay, how can I try to divert my well, like what like how, how can I divert my thinking? Um, and usually, it is a thought that we've discussed beforehand um, in our sessions, and it's a diverted thought around usually you know long term goals. Usually, a thought around um, you know feeling healthy at the end of the day, whatever it could be. Yeah, so- sounds sounds very interesting. So so you can use it in in many ways, whether it's the weight loss, substance abuse, uh, physical activity goals. And you said that you've been you've been developing this for the healthcare. How how does it work there? What have you found as a, as kind of best application areas? How how does healthcare differ from from the other things you have used it in? Of course, yeah. Um, so at the minute, we're working on projects with physios um, and sports therapists, and um, uh, we've got some initial research again in um, with working with anaesthetists as well uh, in a more of a medical setting. So what we're doing here, usually with physios, is we are um, we're looking at again more motivationally based behaviors within the way that we administer fit. So the way that fit works is that it's it's more like a motivational interview. We're in the spirit of motivational interviewing. We're looking at intrinsic motivation primarily before we're teaching imagery. So with that in mind, uh, intrinsic motivation, what we always try to do, regardless of who we're working with, again, if it's a soldier or if it's a physio, um, we're always working with this, this selection of choices. So trying to give individuals autonomy where possible, um, which clearly enhances free will and you know enhances real really lack of motivation to make your own choices. We look at mastery. So, why, why, what, you know, what are you improving at? Uh, what are the small steps you're working towards this big goal? Uh, and then we look at um, collaboration or relatedness, as uh, Ryan and DC would call it. So, again, this is really focusing in on intrinsic motivation. But within our conversations, clearly, we're not just going to teach imagery. We're going to look at uh, a method to underpin how we are person-centered, as I say, which is more motivationally interviewing-based. So, the whole Rolnik and uh, um, The whole the whole Rolnik and um, uh, method of how we're using this person centered approach to really navigate through um, tricky conversations quite often. So, um, so that's the spirit. So the reason why we do it within within physio with with physios, for example, is because people come in to see physios with very challenging goals. Um, I'm injured, and I'm coming to you because I want you to help me. What we also know is is that physios give great programs. They'll say this is the this is this is how you're gonna so the rehab program. And what we know is that um, people drop out uh, in their droves. Why is that? It's because we think, initially we thought, well, um, maybe it's because the patient, the client, doesn't actually select any exercises. There's no there's no communication around, I think I should do this. There's no two-way conversation. It is very much of a, much a, um, a transaction. So what we did, we, we in our recent research, we looked at two groups, one who has a very traditional method of 
um, you get given a program by the physio at the end of your session. And then in group two, we have, um, uh, you make your choices. There, there's like a menu, like an, like an a la carte menu of exercises, and then you would select them. And then the physio would then, um, yeah, would write down what you, what you want. And you're more likely in theory, well, in, in practice, not in our research, you're more likely to adhere to the exercise program. So we have research uh, on that at the minute. Uh, Carol Nedzer is uh, is, part of, is part of our team. He's doing a lot of research around this area. Um, and again, what we're finding is that um, you know having your own choice is is, is key to um, to developing this uh, yeah to developing exercise adherence. So it sounds tricky to do because clearly you have to you know it's more time as well, and it's more input and effort from the physio and. What we know is also also working with, working in clinics is that um, client retention is a lot is a lot higher through that method. It's quite a simple method, I know, but it's you know looking at client retention um, is is yeah is uh, is is hugely um, is significantly different ultimately in our samples. Um, so that's the first thing I'd say is that we're not teaching we're not teaching imagery as such at that point. We're looking at motivation to your why um, and sharing collaborating with uh, with what you're doing. But again. Um, we're now teaching again with this phase two is teaching physios then to during a session to then engage in using multisensory imagery with their clients to talk about goals so you can give autonomy like ask like would you like to do 11 reps or 12 reps <laughs> yeah you, you chose it yeah <laughs> but it's also interesting because some people when they start they'll um I say some people, the majority of people who uh, we found in our research will generally select very difficult exercises and will overestimate the frequency of doing the exercises as well. So they'll say, I can do this five times a week and I can do my 12 reps, which I've selected myself. And um, and they're, they're very specific. And we know that, you know, what we, what, we, what we need to do first off is we need to look at priorities. Like, can you fit this in your schedule? Like it's that understanding that human connection and that human connection is key before we even think about that individual looking at rehab or an athlete, you know, we've got to look at the, the human first. Um, and if we can work with that human and get an understanding of the human um, from values through to behaviors, we know that they're more likely to adhere to programs. And and I think rehabilitation, it's, it's much more difficult than training. Like when you're healthy, because yeah, for example, if you, if you try to get away from pain and you, you keep doing it and maybe you make one mistake and it's again painful or you, you trained a little bit too much and you kind of feel that you lost it all because it's again painful after one month of doing it every day and and how, how do you cope with the like when you're training you you should be improving your situation but when you are doing rehab you have actually dropped down and it's it's just rising to the even to normal level might need huge amount of work. So how do you how do you play with the expectation and how do you kind of reset to the new level that I'm really low here? It's a lot of work to get even back to normal. That's a, I mean, that's a tricky question to try and answer. I mean, that, uh, for, for, for me, in terms of working with, with athletes, for example, I'm just thinking about, um, you know, those who I've worked with who are who in, injured, who are, their, their identity is, you know, or, or even, you know, anyone who's, who's fit and healthy, who likes, for me, I like going cycling and running. And if I'm injured, I'm not me. I lose my identity as a runner or as a cyclist. Um, and when you lose your identity of who you are, then that becomes a very tricky place to then work with an individual who um, who doesn't feel great, who feels down, who perhaps feels a bit depressed around their injury and who lacks motivation. And I think that first week is is the trickiest week to work with clients 
um, especially you know in, in my experience of working with individuals who are injured, the first week is very tricky. Um, week two is then is then they're they're going well. Okay, let's make a plan. Let's let's get on top of this. What can I do? How can I take ownership again? So I'm not saying wait a week by any means. What I'm saying is is that um, yeah, everyone's very different in how fast they they then say I need to move on. Um, and of course, every injury is very different as well. So you know, again, thinking about the 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 case that I'm thinking of in my head of a guy who um, had had an ACL injury, very fit and healthy, um, hugely active. Um, identity of you know of, of a cyclist right so he this is what he does his friends are all cyclists that's his that's his that's his bag um but he can't he can't be himself he can't you know and he's struggling then to fit in to the usual kind of mindset he used to have and again i generally say to clients you know when you're ready you know when you're ready to start and you know when you're ready when, when you're going to be in but i haven't got you haven't got to be all in you've got to be ready to to work and it's going to be tricky and again what we do is we look at supporting individuals um three key times that you know where, where, where they will struggle and we, we we put it there in front of them and say you will struggle this will be hard um there are no easy um options here and uh and, let, and let's go there let's 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 imagine what that's going to look like let's imagine what um we can put into place in terms of support let's imagine what we can then do in terms of uh you know coming up with solutions and then really what we're doing is we're going to do our best to then put those into action and say, right, well, that's what can we do right now? What process goals can we can we implement? You know, maybe it is you know time with the physio. Maybe it is time in the gym. What does that look like for you? Let's plan it out, but then let's actually commit to it. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes. So be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.